What does Australia's next generation of young leaders have to say about the future of India-Australia relations in a post-COVID world? And how do Indian scholars, scientists, practitioners, and students factor in? You're listening to Shared Visions, the podcast that spotlights the Australian government's new Colombo plan and gets to the heart of these questions. Today, we speak with Zach Fraser, a graduate of the University of Queensland in law, and Mohammed Arslan Muin, a student of international relations at Opi Jindal Global University. If I may just quickly, it's both sort of good practice and custom in Australia to, to recognise the traditional owners of the land you're on when doing any sort of public address. So for me, I just sort of like to rec- rec- uh, recognise the, the Yagara and Turubal people and pay my respects to their elders. Um, I'm actually in South Bank in Brisbane at the moment, but in hotel quarantine. So all locked up here for the last two weeks. I have to move borders from New South Wales to come back to Queensland. But yeah, so what, I'm a recent graduate from UQ where I did arts and law, um, majored in international relations and peace and conflict studies. And yeah, last year I went to India under the auspices of the new Kwame plan, which is a DFAT-run initiative, which sort of, I send Australian undergraduates out into the Indo-Pacific and build connections and with people and institutions. And yeah, I studied over in Jindal University, which okay. just north of Sonipat there, just a couple of hours. Oh no, in Sonipat, a couple of hours north of Delhi. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I probably met Aslan what on the first day in the lifts together. Yeah, <laughs> in the in the elevator. Yeah, heading yeah. up, heading up, <laughs> heading up wow. the room. And you just happened to strike a conversation with each other? Yeah. Had a oh, wow. conversation about what football, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I was just being polite. I'm like, you know, I'd love to show you around in the campus someday. Come to my room, drop by. He actually did. Yeah. So I was like, nice. <laughs> that was a surprise, though. No, it's nice to have some, I know, friendly faces. And obviously going there, you sort of left all my friends and family at home and went to India and ended up in rural, regional India and, Obviously, the culture right. block was pretty heavy, but no, I felt very uh, welcomed by the boys. So, is, it, has it been a while since the when? Since when did you come back from India? I got um, I got back in. Well, I left India in December last year, and then I had another month in Myanmar, also on the new combo plan. I was doing. Okay. I was interning there in Yangon with a oh, great. a rule of law organization. Oh, um, so yeah, got back to Australia in February. And uh, what about you, Arsa? I'm a, I've recently completed my undergrad from Jindal School of International Affairs and I'm okay. pursuing law. I'm in my first year of law. I'm a resident of Lucknow. I'm from UP and uh, that's pretty much it about me. And <clears throat> about the first day when I met Zach was basically uh, he was in the lift and I, I thought he's like, you know, I thought <laughs> he's a new people around. I asked him, how, how's it going in Jindal? How is he liking the place there, atmosphere, everything? So I asked him to drop by. He did. We played FIFA. I actually trashed him in FIFA, so (laughs) that was about it. There's something about FIFA, I feel like, that just transcends uh, cultural boundaries. Yeah, Yeah, it's it's a religion. Yeah, it is. It's it's the great unifier. And uh, are you guys, I'm sure, like, I mean, you've already talked about cricket being, like, another common point between India and Australia. I'm more into soccer, and that's why we hit off. If you would have been a cricket guy, I don't know, we would have been friends by now. (laughs) I actually played. A little bit of cricket over there as well. I was playing for an expat team when I was in Delhi. Oh, really? 
Yeah, there's like oh. the Viceroys. They're sort of infamous in Delhi. They're a bunch of sort of um, expats and then also um, Indians that, I know, join and um, play like casual game of cricket every every Saturday. So it was cool to oh, really? play a bit of cricket, get the pads on. Yeah, yeah. Bowl about 10 wides and over. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, I wanted to uh, ask, you know, when you described your experience in India, it, it kind of sounds like you had a very, uh, you know, you, you described it very vividly. You had a, a very uh, a very enriching experience where it sounds like you traveled a lot and uh, you kind of had this very personal connection to the place uh, that went beyond, you know, and much, obviously much deeper than simply just studying on an exchange program. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. They, they do say incredible India and um, it definitely uh, exceeded expectations in that regard. Um, I always knew it was going to be a bit of a challenge and in some regards it was like, it uh, had some pretty high, some high highs and also some pretty like low lows trying to, I know, navigate the culture shock. But as a whole, it was such an amazing experience and I know, really character building and I jam-packed with um, heaps of different adventures and met so mm. many cool people and was really welcome and, and um, had some great trips. And, um, yeah, I did. I, I tried to fill it with as, as much as possible, really. Um, <clears throat> got away most weekends and when I went all around the country, which was really cool, used the opportunity mm. to do as much travel as possible. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, you, you mentioned you were only you were one of only five international students at Jindal. Yeah, there wasn't many of us. So, yeah, but um, I was able to the small crew that was there, which was good. We were able to um, do some trips together. I ended up going up to Lay Ladakh, and we hired some Enfields and rode around the Himalayan region with a couple of oh other wow. students. Yeah, that was probably the highlight of the trip. It was it was such an amazing experience that area, and mm-hmm. I, I really I know, encourage anyone to do it, fly to Lake, hire an Enfield and then go over to Pangong Lake. It's it's something it's pretty special. I do want to talk a, bit, a little bit about India and Australia in this context. Because of COVID-19, not only is uh, the NCP program threatened, but also any kind of, uh, uh, I would say, in-person effort to facilitate, you know, relations between the two countries is, is uh, it's basically... It's hindered now, right? But it's basically not possible. What do you think this space kind of looks like now, moving forward, uh, with the reality of the pandemic? You know, and like in in establishing these peer to peer relations that you guys have. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think the the relationship is an extremely important one moving forward, yeah. and mm-hmm. I think probably one that needs a little bit more attention. And um, I think we're seeing recently both countries sort of realizing this, but I think it is crucial for any sort of friendship to. Um, for the people to get to know each other and and is in any relationship, you have to sort of get to know each other. Mm-hmm. People-to-people connections are super important to a, a wider sort of um, trade and an economic relationship between Australia and India. Usually mm-hmm. Australian foreign policy has sort of been focused on the sort of East Asian economic giants like Japan and, and South Korea. Mm-hmm. But I know Australia and India are both sort of large democracies with open markets and, and recognise the rule of law, support human rights, and um, as as the like COVID's changing the world, it's making it more disruptive. And I think we're sort of live with a pretty benign world up until now. And COVID will really bring out some fractures that have sort of been lurking underneath since. 
basically i'd like to add on to the point definitely covid is having a bad impact on our economy as well we were like the fifth largest economy and we were going at a tremendous pace and now you know as you know it's happening in our country right. like so and definitely uh, we both have a colonial past as well australia and india and mm-hmm. we have evolved from that and from uh, but the relationships hasn't been like up to the mark like you know uh, india's india and australia are like the twi- for india the t- australia is like the 20th trade partner in the ranking list whereas for australia india is like the 8th whereas like uh, how do i put it the indo pacific threat which is happening right now because of china uh, it's also a major point of contention for the countries to you know form bilateral agreements and as you know there's squad tell me a bit more about the squad agreement uh you know because i i i'm i'm not uh, entire, i'm not really from this space at all that you guys okay. study and are engaged on a daily basis so yeah just tell me a bit about that and what that means for so both the basically countries. you know like how china is in the south china sea and the east china sea there have been like conflicts regarding you know unclose the united nation convention law of sea so regarding that in the east china sea china is having dispute with japan and philippines over the senkaku islands and all and in the south china sea there's uh, there's always like, there's already going on conflict with malaysia and i don't I don't specifically remember the countries but in South China Sea there's a lot of turmoil going on for so in order to counter that the major superpowers like Japan United States and uh, India started this uh, you know in order to counter China in a way uh, by carrying out military drills and all later Australia joined and then eventually Australia gave out of the quad as well because of the relationship between Australia and uh china so one fun part about the squad thing is like we are countering china whereas china is the third trading partner third largest trading partner with australia first largest trading partner with india first largest trading partner with japan and i th- no sorry first largest trading partner with australia and i think it's like second yeah, or largest trading partner with japan as well so mm-hmm. like you have to understand when they put in sanctions are they directly affected by that apart from united states i don't think uh, and japan you can say australia and india kind of depend on china on the economical basis like if and that's okay. why make in india initiative also come uh, come in in the defense sector by mr narendra modi which is a really nice initiative but in that particular quad field i think these four countries together like you know and i think australia rejoined in 2017 uh, if i'm not wrong so yeah we sort of jumped on off board for a little bit sort of the peak china but i know with china sort of um growing assertiveness in the region uh in a a stronger sort of military or strategic relationship between india and australia is more important than ever we both yeah. have really large maritime powers like big militaries and we sort of um operate at two sort of poles of the indian ocean so it's sort of good strategic positioning um and we're also seeing this sort of waning of the US leadership in, in the pacific i know obviously okay. everyone's sort of looking more inward this rise of america first sort of policy and sort of, mm-hmm. sort of setting up sort of um any other sort of country and i think china to right on and become more of a i know dispute, um undisputed uh regional mm-hmm. leader at the same time like when australia's such an we have a really important relationship with china it was our whole economy it's like our for a large part our huge trading partner and has been for so long so we need to sort of find the balance between i oh know trying to you know stand back counter and balance at the same time yeah <laughs> with china yeah. exactly yeah. i totally get it but uh, our problem is we are we're sharing boundaries with china so you know yeah. at least you guys are safer that way we are we are having a conflicted border and there is conflict going on right now as well 
but yeah, yeah i totally understand that and, and india has a history of conflict with china too exactly, right because yeah. we, we we've already gone to war with them once uh, 1967 i guess 1967 and then yeah and the way the way thing i mean india is a young country so like the, the memories of wars even from that time which is it's, it feels like oh whatever maybe a while ago but it's yeah. still very fresh mm-hmm. for a lot of people and uh, like arslan said there's there's conflict happening on a daily basis you know mm-hmm. minor aggressions flexing here and there like over the border there's so many contested regions uh, around that area including kashmir and uh, you know parts of nepal the northeast tibet it's just it's a very um it's a very unstable region in general mm-hmm. but i think that's why it's it's good that india and australia are establishing a lot of these tangible agreements a lot of these formal verbal things like look uh, you know we're on the same page mm. uh, i've learned so much from my conversations as part of this podcast production uh, from you know say for example biomedical scientists who have said that oh you know um in terms of dealing with the pandemic uh, india and australia have a, have a nearly an identical medical research infrastructure so we're very much working in tandem so i think um, you know there's a lot of concrete steps being taken to uh, kind of to facilitate a, a good relationship between the two countries and ncp factors uh, nicely into that um, where you know students uh, are able to go and learn in a totally different environment and and vice versa yeah um, which, I, is, which is i agree and, and the thing is i know there doesn't seem to be like we got we got a huge sort of indian diaspora in australia huge right, right. Indian, but when i was applying for this scholarship to go overseas i was sort of thinking about where to go and i sort of realized that we have this huge community but i don't really know much about india and sort of and i think that's sort of where we need to start from basics again and get to know these sort of people people connections which well the well the ncp does really well and I know obviously going forward maybe another couple of years before students are back in country but um these sort of friendships like myself and Aslan and and what and Modi and Morrison I think these are really crucial to to going forward and we're seeing a, a world that's more contested and and more dangerous and some people talk about a pre-war world so yeah good friendships based on good values like we have democracy human rights the rule of law cricket religious <laughs> humor <laughs> oh man uh but uh you know having had this experience Zach, uh you know as uh you know so you're you're studying law correct yeah well, i've finished yeah. actually i just finished up in june oh oh great congratulations thank you uh and uh you know so what what are what are your what are your kind of uh, I, not to just Zach, but to both of you like what are what are your what are your future plans moving forward yeah well i think this program has made me realize i i'd really love a job in some sort of international sphere it was so mm-hmm. awesome living and and working and studying and being overseas i love that adventure of sort of being a little bit off in your, out of your comfort zone um so yeah some some sort of job with an international vibe diplomacy sounds really really interesting and something mm-hmm. i would strive for but for the moment I'm starting a job next year with a judge here in Brisbane in the Supreme Court as his associate okay. and then the following year after that I'm going um to a commercial law firm. So I'm sort of starting my career there and who knows how long I'll last in the law or if I will want to sort of sort of look a little bit further look beyond the board yeah. and, and try and find something in more international sphere. Uh what about you also? So like as I've completed my international affairs and now I'm in law so I was always looking for you know corporate sector and in international law. 
but okay. the, yeah with recent developments i have like you know there's environmental issues going on there's human rights violation going on so i'm planning to you know turn myself into maybe judiciary or maybe environmental law i'm not very sure oh, yet wow. but yeah, yeah. but like you know i think those people kind of make a difference at the end of the day and you you know the condition of indian judiciary at this stage as well of like course. i don't want to comment yeah. personally but yeah i don't think so it's up to the mark to be very honest like and i think judiciary is one of the major thing which keeps a democracy at check like you know the check of power is done by the uh, judiciary and it has done that in various instances like you know in the past as well during the indira gandhi case if you might have heard of that indira gandhi versus mm-hmm. rajnarayan and I think judiciary plays a very important role in maintaining a democracy. Justice Azman, yeah. that works. Oh my god, <laughs> that sounds so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it has a ring to it. Sure. This whole COVID crisis has made me rethink of what I really want to do with my career. Um, I, I sort of thought that do we need more lawyers punching on you know, big hours in uh, big commercial law firms, or do we need people doing good work and and seeing? I know we are sort of entering a period where a more uncertain and unsafe world. So. Maybe I'm going to see your awesome work where you're sort of shaping the direction, policy shaping the direction of of of, of the government. Yeah, and uh, Arshan, I totally agree with you. Like, I mean, in India, there's such a pressing need for good, for just good, strong-headed people in law and the judiciary because it's uh it's always been such a point of contention uh, for this country. You know, like I, I think inherently as as a culture there's such a there's such an inherent mistrust of uh the legal process in general uh you know like uh, in so far like to the extent where you know people will not go to a cop they won't seek out a lawyer they won't seek out the, the they won't seek out due process because they don't believe it'll work for them um but uh but you know i think if there are really talented people in the law space and we strengthen you know the practice by being informed by say cultural exchange or we're informed by think tanks which have you know people in the policy and law space from different countries uh we can work towards that kind of a future in india too you know where maybe the legal process isn't this daunting you know sort of esoteric thing but it's 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 a thing that every everyone can can believe in which which is not what it is right now I would say mm. yeah in terms of like legal education also australia and india can work like obviously the uh, board of india doesn't re- recognize international degrees yet but australia do you know like a fun fact op jindal university is the only only university of which law degree is recognized by australia so, oh wow yeah <laughs> Yeah, that's what I read in the 2035 plan. So even I was surprised. I'm like, I'm in that university. Wow. So, <laughs> uh, so but yeah, but India doesn't recognize those online courses and uh, like other degrees you have to come and like, you know, eventually study that. So I think it will be a major boost that you get more exposure from outside world. You see a different type of like how law is practiced in every country is very different. Like obviously they have a different constitution. We have a different, but. So would you be interested in, you know, like you would be interested in say like going to Australia and, practicing there and seeing what that would be like was that something you would ever do yeah but uh, like but it's very hypothetical it's not practical you know like if i'm going to take the judicial way it's it's going to be impossible only in international law i can do that and maybe yeah. corporate for something but yeah i guess the experience alone could inform something the experience alone might you know give you some perspective of some kind i don't know definitely exposure is very important like you know before meeting zak also i had this like to be very honest i'm not going to lie i had this or expo like i always used to think that 
I mean, like you know, white people are not going to take us that seriously, or maybe we joke to them at times. Oh, when we meet new people, we come to know like he's just like me. I'm not going to lie, with a different tone and different language. That's it. He is actually like me, an older, very older, much older. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's something I realized going to India that we we have so many interpersonal sort of connections with the people over there. I made some such some good friendships. Um, and that's why going forward, I think it's, it needs to be a, a good friend of ours. Um, I just will add to that international education thing. I think, I know, education is such a big export for Australia and a really important one. And uh, we get it. I think India has like the, India is like the second largest country of students that we receive each year for our tertiary education. Right. But I can also see sort of scope for a two-way, two-way sort of um, movement of students. I would encourage mm-hmm. Australian students to head over to India and they do have world-class institutions like Jindal. Um, all the students mm-hmm. there are so passionate and driven and everyone's hardworking and aspirational. Um, class discussions are always vibrant and vocal and argumentative and, and the staff and, and teachers are, I know, esteemed in their field. So right. we'd probably encourage a, a little bit more of a cross-sort-of-culture thing, more Australian students heading over to India and obviously... Indian students heading over to Australia.